Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's reason. M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all done got digitally painted. You done got digitally painted. Welcome to another episode, a bonus episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber. Pew pew indeed, my good friend. That's right. Uh, I'm Jason Helms. Uh, This is my good brother, Ben. Yes, the good brother. The good brother, not the bad brother. Austin, I'm looking at you. I was looking at Jeremy. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh... This is an unannounced episode. This is a super secret special episode just for you, dear listener. That's right. You probably were expecting our year in review episode, and that's not happening now because poor Corey is sick as a dog. So uh, we're going to record that later. You're still going to get it. Uh, But because it's going to be late, Ben and I decided let's put together something special for tonight. And uh, with very little planning, Ben, how much time we spent on this? Well, I think we started planning six hours ago, and then we stopped for about five and a half hours. Ben, I've been planning... I've been planning for this episode my whole life. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. My yes. whole life. I guess about, about 10 years about now 10 we've been years planning this episode. That's right. This is our, Ben and Jason's Games of the Decade. Boom! And no, you know you could add these sound effects later, Ben. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're, so, you're an audio engineer. There's no need to. There's I'll no just need. make them all. <laughs> you're a living soundboard. Boom! Top 10 Games of the Decade, 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 Decade. So uh, these aren't the top 10 games of the decade, though, Ben. Oh, I got to correct bad. you right right there because we made no effort whatsoever to get anything objective here. These are just games that Ben and Jason like. Uh, these are our favorite that games. That title sucks, though. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> ben and Jason's Games of the Decade. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, a game like Fortnite, for example, you might think that that should be on a game of the decade list. And, and there's a lot of reasons to say that it should. It's got a lot of crossover appeal. It, it did a lot of things. It's very important. I haven't really played it much. Uh, it's not my kind of game. I'm not that interested in it. So it's not on my list. Not because I think it's a bad game. Not because I don't think it deserves to be on the list, but because it's my list. I got to make it up. I got to do what I want. Yep. So uh, the way we're going to do this is we'll count down 10 to 1. Uh, we'll go back and forth. I'll do uh, Ben will do 10. I'll do my 10. Then I'll do my 9. Then Ben will do his 9. So on down to 1. And then we will give our honorable mentions and talk about all the games that didn't quite make the list. Uh, I had quite a few. So yeah, I, I guess I we're going to have some overlap on our lists yeah. and some overlap on the, uh, the honorable mentions, especially. Yeah. Uh, and my I, honorable mentions list is almost as long as my top 10. <sighs> mine too. I kept putting <laughs> things down there. It was, it was, we'll talk a little briefer on the honorable mentions. Cause this will be a three hour pot. If we don't I 10 and 10, I have 10 on each. I just, Oh, nice. In. Sweet. All right. Uh, without further ado, Ben, what's your number 10 game of the decade? My 10, I'm already cheating. My 10 is a tie. My 10 is, <laughs> <laughs> you ruin everything. Uh, I'm going to start with chronologically. Oh. Uh, came out in 2015. Okay. Uh, Gwent. Wow, that's good. I like that. I went with that's Gwent good. from The Witcher Three. That's something good. hunt that I put like 80 to 100 hours into, but I'm pretty sure 90 percent of those hours were spent Gwenting it up or asking every little kid that I walked by, "Hey, you want to play some Gwent? Hey, you got any Gwent cards? Can I trade you all of my armor for some Gwent cards?" Yeah, it's this side questy game that I don't think you. No, I think there's a couple of missions actually in the main story that you have to play Gwent to get past to find someone. Um, but it, yeah, it's a card game in The Witcher 3 that I just fell in love with. I really, really enjoyed the mechanics of the game. And I would just sit there and play it over and over and over and over and over 
and I didn't like save spamming. Is that what people call it when you like save scumming? Save scumming. Thank you. I, I would I would try my best not to do that. I don't think I ever did that um, because I just played for the love of the game. So even if I had to get past uh, a story arc or something to like beat two out of three Gwent games, I really just love that game. And I'm looking everywhere for that game on my phone, on the interwebs, and it, it doesn't exist. So I have to boot up the old Witcher three to play it. Have you played Slay the Spire? I have not played this. Slay the Spire. Uh. Yeah, imagine no. uh, it's a card game. Uh, it's not Gwent, but it's a very similar kind of. It's mechanic. not Gwent, and uh, uh, but it's a roguelike as well. So you play cards uh, against each of the enemies along the way, and then try right. and slay the entire spire. All I right, think I it might that. be Ben's entry into roguelikes. Interesting. Uh, okay. Don't think of it as roguelike. Think of it as Gwent, but levels. Uh, okay, I'm into that. Actually, I like that. Okay, so Gwent, and then that is tied with Tetris Effect. Nice. Uh, which is a game that both these are tied because they're both kind of mindless there's no story with them um but i felt like i was constantly like improving myself as i got better and i was my my reaction time was improving and it was fun to see as, as opposed to quent it was fun to see in tetris effect like the national like rankings and levels and like beating actual people and um yeah it's just i play tetris almost every day the past 30 years of my life if that's how long it's been out yeah almost 30 years of my life uh let's say 25 years of my life uh, and it, Tetris Effect was just like leveling up from that. So still fun to go back to the original, but I, I love Tetris Effect. If you fly out to visit me, I will buy Tetris Effect for the PSVR. Whoa. Which I've heard is next level. You know how Dude. there's like a whale that flies through you on that first level? What? Imagine if it flies through you. This is insane. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. I'm excited. So come out and visit me. Well, I said Tetris Effect that whole time. I meant Tetris. What's the game? Tetris 99. Oh, Tetris 99. Damn it. Tetris 99. I got you know what, the ben? whole name wrong. Keep it. This is good. This don't, is don't try I'm not editing this out. No, it's got to go up quick. You got to get it up before the decade. To me, out. there's only two Tetrises. Tetris yes. old and Tetris new. I don't know um, the name of Tetris new. I think you're going to love Tetris effect. I'm excited. But I'm, I, I haven't even played Tetris effect. You know effect. what? We've set up a pattern. Let's uh, let's keep this going with, oh, that's your favorite game? Here's the game you should play. Because that's no, the like way it. I've been I doing like it, it so far. Yeah. Can you mansplain to me why my list could be even better? How many games are on your top 10 list? I got there's only, there's only nine more. Only nine okay. More. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. What's your 10 and, and nine? Uh, my 10 is everything. Nice. Um, see, I cheated and now every game is on my, my top 10 oh, list. Oh, dang it. Uh, no, this is the video game. Everything, uh, yeah. which we covered. You should listen to our episode. It's amazing. It is just a cool Zen experience. I was talking to, uh, one of my dissertation readers just about an hour ago. Uh, she was at the coffee shop a block away from me and called me up. And so I went and met her there and we talked and, uh, we talked about this game for a little bit of it. And a student nice. I had that had like an otherworldly experience where she left the game being like, man, I just think about like what bugs think now and like my place in the world and like, man. And so, yeah, I just can't describe another game like everything that just completely changed my worldview. Nice. Number nine, Gone Home. Oh, dude. Uh, 2013, uh, another game we did an episode on, and one that I've now taught quite a few times. Uh, it's a horror game, or so it seems, uh, but it's also uh, really, it's not the, the originator of The Walking Sim, but really the popularizer of that genre, which has become one of my favorite genres. Definitely. Uh, ben, what's your number nine? My number nine is everything. What? Nice. Our first combo. Great. Well Who, done. I can't believe that you ranked it higher than I did. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I, apparently, I ranked a game lower than it that I've never even played. So I'm just breaking all the rules today. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, everything you said. I remember yeah. like looking at like lint like floating through the air while we were like deep in playing that game that month, and just like being like, oh, I wonder 
what that lint has been through, and I wonder yeah. what it's seen in its life. What is climbing on that lint right now? Right, exactly, and like random dust mites and their lives. And I remember the weird like paradigm shift in my mind when you could go from spoiler alert for everything from uh, I guess from like dirt to microns to whatever smaller and smaller and smaller till you're like uh, dodecahedrons to even smaller would be like a, a 2D shape. You're a triangle. And then within that triangle, you're just a speck of light. And within that, you are infinite universes. And you can go down to galaxies and you go down to planets. And, you, and just the idea of that, like worlds within worlds. I love that. Um, just that concept, not in theory necessarily, but yeah, just that idea. And I would just do that for hours, just kind of smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I love that. One of the coolest things about that game is uh, later it lets you just kind of screw with stuff. So you can just like change a quark into a fish, uh, change a, a palm tree into a dust mite. So there's just yeah, this giant yeah, dust yeah. mite walking around. Um, and it, it, it's really fun. And as you're looping through these um, kind of uh, Russian nesting dolls of cosmologies, uh, you get, you know, Hours and hours later, I would come along to this planet that I, I thought I'd never been on, and all of a sudden I saw that all the clouds were were killer whales, and I was like, oh, I've been here before. I left I was my there mark. five hours ago. <laughs> and the game remembered it. This is yes. really weird. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So the way that that game levels up slowly throughout is just, I've never seen anything like that, how it's it's paced really, really well, no matter what pace you individually are working at. But and then the Alan Watts throughout the whole game too is just tripping everything out as well. Just an added level. I downloaded so many Alan Watts podcasts after that. Did um, you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for nice. A while. Nice. I was insufferable. All right. So my eight is I cheated again. <laughs> Sorry. But my eight is a singular concept, okay. and that is Telltale Games. Yes. Good, good um, cheat. I like this. So it wasn't their first game because I think some of their I didn't look this up, but I, I remember when we went to Comic Con in 08. They were already working on Sam and Max. Yep. So they existed before this decade, but uh, they came from a few guys who came from LucasArts. That's kind of where we first heard of them. Um, but my the games that are on this list are Walking Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, which I loved all those games before we started this podcast. And Walking Dead came out in 2012. So I, I think I started playing around then. One of my first iPhones, 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Shout out to uh, Ryan Kaufman, uh, one of our listeners. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for all the work that you did at Telltale. Uh, sorry, it doesn't exist anymore. I, oh, I, I'm getting a press release that it does exist. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, jeez. Um, rough. Well, I, I, so, hey, it's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've had a rough rough couple months over uh, at uh, just how that whole thing ended. But we won't get into that now. New Telltale. Um, the but, Glory yeah. Years. Hope everyone there is doing well. Yeah, and I, yeah, there was definitely a big movement to get everyone who was um, fired or laid off there on one day kind of rehired as quick as possible. So I've heard good things as heartbreaking as that whole situation uh, was and is, Uh, but yeah, walking dead. Love that game. We did. I believe we did the first walking dead. Yes. On, on Mulf, right? We did did. one of the game of Thrones as well. Maybe even two of the game of Thrones. Oh no, we did game of Thrones. We didn't do walking dead. I mean, okay. That's what it was. Uh, But I know we did a couple telltale games, but those games to me were kind of the first modern games that got me back into gaming. If if this decade, Uh, and it was on my phone. I think I played all those games mobily. And so, um, but yeah, just kind of, I'd never played a game like those that, although we figured out finally that it was kind of the, um, what do we call it? The illusion of choice, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the, the, the buzzword as we reviewed that game of Thrones game. Uh, but at the time when you're first playing that first walking dead game, that kind of telltale model of like, oh my gosh, every choice I make has an effect on this whole story. And yes and no, it kind of does, kind of doesn't, not really, but 
cool that it at least has that illusion. Most games don't give you at all. Most games are just linear and you don't have any choice. So it's cool to at least have that that perception that you, every single thing you do has an effect on where the story goes. So I love that. And that'll always have a special place in my heart. Michonne will remember that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Jay, what's your, your eight? My number eight, Extreme Meat Punks Forever. What? What? Yeah. You should play this game. Tell me more. Um, I didn't so, think we'd have something that I'd never heard of on right? your list. I can't believe I haven't talked to you about this game. I must this have at some point. Vaguely familiar. Okay, keep going. So it is a visual novel interspersed with these like Atari style uh, fighting mechanics. And the visual novel is like decent, you know, drawings, kind of cool art style. And then all the backgrounds are ASCII art. Um, it's got like this really unique visual style. It was made by Heather Flowers, who is a brilliant young game designer. It absolutely kills me that she is in her early 20s and has made like 100 games, I believe. Um, Wow. She is amazing. Uh, I met her teacher uh, over the summer, Bo Ruberg, and they said that that they could claim no credit for how brilliant Heather is. Uh, That's awesome. So Heather, I also had Skype into my class when I talked about the game in our class. I assigned it to my class. And it was so fun to just have her talk to students about the design process, about the choices she made. So Extreme Meat Punks Forever um, really has its own voice. Uh, it's very interested in queer characters, trans characters, characters of color. Um, in the game, it's somewhat post-apocalyptic. It's it's very post-apocalyptic. Uh, but it's a very weird post-apocalypse in which the characters put on meat suits, meat mechs. Um, forever. 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 It's extreme. Uh, so... Imagine like uh, a Gundam suit or like Voltron or something like that, right? Except the Voltron is made out of meat. Now imagine that, you know how I said part of it is drawn by hand and like you can see what everything is and part of it is like Atari graphics. Imagine the only times you see the meat suits are in the Atari graphics section. Meaning nobody who plays the game has any idea what these things look like. They're like top down, uh, like 8-bit looking. Uh Uh-huh. With a really cool mechanic of how you actually beat the, the levels. I'm looking um, at it now. It has that like Doki Doki type cutscenes. Yes. And like dialogue. And the cutscenes are most of the game. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, and you can actually skip the. I mean, it's not as visual novelly as Doki Doki. Yeah. I mean, like there is some some actual gameplay in between. Uh, much more of a feeling of choice. Um, yeah. And it immediately makes you want to replay the game because here's one of the ways it makes choice matter. Um, you choose something will happen, and two people will get in a fight or something like that, and the choice will be. Brad says, uh, that's cool, I don't even care. Or Sam says, come on, man, don't be like that. And if you choose Sam, then suddenly you are Sam for the rest of that little cutscene, the next 10 minutes. Oh, wow. And so a few minutes later, Brad goes off on his own to talk to another character. And you continue Sam's story, meaning you can replay it. Now choose the other choice and walk through, okay, what was, what was Brad doing during that time? Like, I, I want to follow him as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get little, little you know, nods at what might be going on over there but it's really fun there's romance there's tons and tons of humor it is absolutely hilarious uh brad is a character who um was grew up in some kind of techno cult like raised by robots or something like that and so he can talk to radios uh and he can at one point he uh he says smiley face and it has like an an emoji there like a little um emoticon rather not emoji and the other person says how did you just say that he goes, ah, i don't know i've always known how and it's like you <laughs> like mid dialogue the person had an emoticon in their verbalized speech that's awesome what just happened uh right. it's a great gag so that's cool 
Extreme Meat Punks Forever is a great game on its own merits, but I also wanted it to stand in for kind of all of the great itch.io games. All of the great, just fun, small games that people make that sure. are amazing and that everyone should play more of. Uh, so if you're listening right now, if you've never done it before, go on itch.io, go play a free game in the browser. Go check something out that somebody made that they care about. There's tons of lists on there to find what you like. Uh, and it's a fun way to spend the afternoon. Uh, and then your seven? Seven. Thimble Weed Park. There it is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, this is well uh, a nostalgia game. Yeah. This is, but it's also such a beautiful game. There's two so and a many, half, almost three years ago now, by the way. Wow. And this game meant so much for me personally. We got to interview David Fox. Um, we, we got to kind of follow along through the production. Um, the game is so beautiful. Yeah. And it's it really such is. a tribute to everything we care about at Month. In so many ways, it's a perfect game. And those come along so rarely. Yeah. It was just like a, a culmination of all the stuff we'd been talking about as a podcast, but like in modern form. So that was always cool to see. And then having like the inside with David Fox and getting to meet him in person a few months after that too. And hanging out with him, getting coffee with him. That was, that was really cool. What a, couldn't happen to a, a nicer guy. Couldn't happen. I don't know why couldn't it couldn't happen. Happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't happen. Him meeting us. Couldn't happen to a nicer oh, guy. Oh. He's so lucky. Anyway. So my, tell me about your number eight or seven. Where do we on? I don't know the numbers. Anyway, a smaller number for me. Number seven. Uh, so some of these games are going to be personal. Some of them are going to be, I mean, they're all pretty personal. It's our top 10, but uh, emotional, emotionally driven. We connected with the story. Some of them are going to be like, oh, this mechanic blew my mind. Kind of like me with Telltale. Uh, this one is more IRL personal, emotional than it is the game itself. And my, my number seven is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Came out in 2011. Okay. Uh, and this was one of the first games I got on my PS3 in grad school and my buddy introduced me to it. I'd heard of call of duty. I'd never really dabbled into the first person shooter since like the PC days or so I guess, no, since uh, like golden eye days, but still it had been a while. And so he brought over modern warfare and modern warfare three. And we just played it for like six hours straight on like some random Saturday. And then, uh, got married the next year and, my new cousin, my wife's cousin came over and we just played it like every day for like a month. He would just like come over and be like, Hey, let's play some MW three. And we play survival and we just like, we'd have like shorthands for certain weapons or certain parts of the level or whatever. You know what I mean? We're just like a game that was kind of like Goldeneye in the sense that like you knew every corner of every level and you knew the timing of every bad guy that was going to come in. Uh, but to me, the game's fine. The mechanics are great. I don't even remember the story, but it's just a game that I'll always fondly remember as getting close to a group of friends um, from that that time in my life. So that'll always be um, a top 10 game from this decade for sure. I can't resist it. Titanfall 2. That's that for you? No, that's going to be that for you. I, I just started playing it because it's a free download uh, with PS Now right now. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to love it. It's very Modern Warfare. Um, Really That's the one that story. came out like two years ago, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah, longer. I, I have it. I have it. Oh, you have it? Okay. Yeah. So I I played it a bunch with Richard Good. and with Nick. We played okay. online for like a month. We'd yeah. play a couple times a week, and I just like I lost steam. Yeah. Did you play through the single player? I think I got like five or six hours into the single player. Okay, cool. It's only like seven or eight hours long. But, I okay, may have beaten I take it. Back. I may have yeah. beaten it. Yeah. And I think for whatever, and maybe I'll go back to it, but it was one of those things where like just like Modern Warfare 3, I don't think Modern Warfare 3 is better than Modern Warfare 2. Or like 
whatever other Call of Duty titles are, but yep. it was literally just like that time of my life. Yes. Needed a friend. Yes. He came over and just like rescued me from loneliness kind of thing a couple different times within those like two or three years. And even because every Call of Duty, you know, there's a new one every November the past 15 years. And like even last year, Richard would come by and like we'd be like, hey, MW3, let's do it. And it's like the graphics don't even look good anymore. The mechanics are horrible. They're like, it's all laggy. But that's a game that for us will always be the Call of Duty game that like we fell in love with and we fell in friendship with each other over. So that's what I love about games. And what I often miss is the friendships around games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, and then six would be much more the in-game emotional connection to and that is Last of Us, which ah. came out in 2013, ripped my heart out in the first 10 minutes, as it does anyone watching the game. Um, but just every, all of the characters in that game, uh, the main two especially, uh, just some amazing scenes, amazing acting, some very well-written dialogue, the overall story arc, the last scene with just the, oh, you know what I'm talking about. No, they're sitting because I never the, finished it. <gasps> I know. The lie of the last scene and saying that there's a lie there does not spoil anything, but the lie of the last scene is something that will, it, it makes me need a last of us too, which we're getting next year, supposedly, supposedly, um, but we were supposed to get in 2018 and 2019 also. So who knows? Um, but yeah, that's a game that like on a monthly basis, I have a moment where I'm, I like, well, flashback to a scene from uh, IRL where I'm like, Oh, remember the last of us when this and this and this happened. And like, there was times where I'd like record things and like run up and get hand and be like, you have to watch this scene. Or I'd like pull up that scene on YouTube and make her watch like the eight minute cut scene. And she'd have no context for, her. and I'd be like bawling. She'd be like, what is happening? There's like zombies that look like caterpillars with bee nests on faces. Yeah, they do. And I'm like, yeah, really you do. didn't see, they killed Joe and Joe was your best friend or whatever. I don't yeah. know idea anymore, but anyway, um, love that game and it, it just tore me apart. So I love to go back to that just for you, just so, so that we can talk about it. Uh, yeah, man. And, and, oh. and enjoy that. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And that video was before I had kids or maybe that was right as I had, as we had Olivia, but I think having kids, it would wreck me even more. So excited yeah. for last of us too. Cause I'll just be an emotional wreck. Totally. Cool. All right. What's your six? Number six, Celeste. There uh, it is. My, my therapeutic game. Yeah, man. Um, definitely. This is such a beautiful game and i love that it was made by such a small team it was really mainly one person it's um, crazy it's such a well-designed game and i love its ludo narratology that the uh the gameplay mechanics and the story are one thing it is completely united in that and so uh ben you played this game somewhat and bounced off of it a little bit it's 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 really difficult it is it's a really difficult game but it's a game about mental illness and about overcoming that difficulty and because of that just the word the word overcoming is bothering me but maybe like yeah. persevering through yeah especially especially with this game you don't overcome yeah. like you die a lot you do <laughs> you don't ever like you know do what? it successfully how about learning yeah and getting better yeah i like that I like um that. yeah no i like that that's a that's a that's a yeah, good in context of mental illness overcoming yeah. adversity is is a really trite thing to say yeah. Um, and, it, and it doesn't mean much. It's this game gives you adversity and teaches you through that adversity um, how to get through it, how to become better. Um, you know, and so it's it continually presents you with new problems. There's a few points during the game and basically every uh, screen or two, you get a um, 
uh, a kind of save, right? A little um, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Checkpoint. Checkpoint. And um, the uh, towards the end of the game, I think there's it's you start passing these flags. There's this flag that says twenty, and all of a sudden you pass this flag that says nineteen. And the the idea in the game is that you're climbing a mountain, and you're you're like eighteen. You're like, oh crap, I'm getting close to the top. It's here, and so I I get to um, I just passed the flag that says four. And it's really tough. It's like the toughest thing I've ever done. And there's these um, these things. What are those those like view binoculars that are at the top of like skyscrapers and just like a telescope viewfinder? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah. one of those, and you walk up to it, and if you click on it, you're able to see the entire route for the last three flags. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's check it out. And I look, and I look at the next one, and I'm I look at number three, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know how I'm gonna do that. That's tough. Okay. That looks really, that looks impossible. Like you can that, see the level? Yeah, you can see the level laid out. Oh, jeez. And I look at two and I'm like, that's, I don't think that the buttons, I, it's not that right. I can't do it quickly enough. I see what you're asking me to do. I don't think humans can do that. Right. And then I look at number one and I'm like, no, just no, that's, that's not, not a possible. thing. Right. That No. Right. And in that moment, I, I stopped myself because I was getting anxious about it. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to beat level one right now. And I don't have to be level two. All I have to do is level three. And it was this realization of, holy crap, that's like my therapist talking to me. Like, you don't have to be in September right now. It's just December. Yeah. You can do what you need to do today. And that's all you have to do. And yeah, I beat it. Um, you know, probably half an hour later, it took a lot of deaths uh, on those last three, but I beat it. And in some ways, I've never been more proud of myself in a video game to beat those last few. Uh, but it was really that realization of, Okay, break it down into small bites. What can you do right now? Yeah. Um, and then flipping it around and applying it to my life. Like, it's a really good game. It's just a great metaphor. Number five. Um, number five is Outer Wilds. There you go. Uh, this game's amazing. This. It's so good. I, I, I worry about recency bias. Um, yeah. I think this is my only 2019 game on here. Nice. But it's so good. It's so good. Um, I agree. Ben, this was like your favorite game ever. Uh, so I'm just going to hold off. Cool. I'm just going to trust that it's going to show up in a second. <laughs> oh, uh, dang it. Hold I on. Let me make some edits. It, it will be so disappointed when it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so go for it. What's your what's your number I, five? I, let me kick off Overwatch real quick. Yeah. Cross that out. Just, oh, okay. by, the, by the way, Ben, I got this idea. When we get to one, yeah. I think we'll know each other's list well enough. I want you to predict my number oh, one after I say two. Ooh. And then I'll try and predict yours. Uh, I haven't heard Cinco Pass yet. So, okay, cool. Sounds good. Uh, my five, right? is Uh, golf story you introduced me to golf story last year you got me a switch for christmas last year and the first game well you sent me uh your copy of breath of the wild i did so i plugged in 26 hours into that and i just it just i kept falling off those stupid rainy mountains i could it never caught but uh so sorry then you introduced me to golf story and i fell in love with the switch via that and just that those such a good game this i love golf video games it's probably once a year I'll get addicted to a random golf video game on my phone and whether it's like Tiger Woods or what, whatever it is and just like play it for a month and like get that itch scratched. Right. But for some reason I love the mechanics of golf games and this one's definitely scratched that itch, but also having a narrative game within that and all those mini games that are all different versions of golf and the crazy Australian dialogue <laughs> just yep. hilarious throughout heartwarming as well. Uh, just a really, really fun game that one of those games, like a lot of the games probably on our, on our list, but 
Uh, I know I share with you the the feeling of as soon as it ended, you just wanted more. Like a good book that you just want to start over as soon as it finishes. It's the first one you've said where I went, oh, I should have put it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, I should have put it on. It. it can be your 11th honorable mention. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, no golf stories. Oh, amazing. man. Yeah. And then the my number four is Firewatch. Oh, yes. Firewatch so is definitely good. there. Uh, from just Henry's character and the whole twine intro, how it sucks you in through literally just dialogue choices, yeah. nothing. And, and some audio samples of the background of like restaurants. Um, but you and you and your wife and how you would kind of escape to, I think it's Colorado or this forest. And you meet this person on your radio. It's working another tower in this, in this Valley Delilah Delilah and that, that Delilah. whole summer you have together or I don't think you ever, I don't think Henry and Delilah ever, meet throughout the main story. It's just kind of this person that you talk to every day, you check in, just kind of your boss. Uh, and it's just a amazingly tight story, well-written dialogue, amazingly acted uh, voice actors. But this was, I think the first walking simulator uh, I ever played really at all that you could call. And that's, again, that was the, the term walking simulator is, is a, uh, Probably derogatory. I think whoever thought of it. Yeah, I embrace it completely. I embrace I it because that's what, and I don't know. That's probably the best description of what it is, because uh, it's, it's you know it's extremely linear and it's you're just walking around doing stuff, solving puzzles. So, uh, but we played Gun Home shortly after that, and Gun Home was first. But uh, we played Firewatch as a month game also, uh, and I it just like blew my mind. I was like, oh, video games can do this new thing that I didn't know they could do. So yeah, I, I'll always look back at, at that as one of my favorite games. Nice one. All right. My number four yep. is also a walking sim. Okay. What's eating Edith Finch? Oh, uh, yeah. I have to say the title wrong because we did it so many times on the upset. What's eating um, Edith Grapes? The the game that literally made me ball. Oh my! At gosh. home alone, late at night. Uh, you mean the game about someone who is going through and finding out how like these nine kids died or oh whatever horrible thing? Yeah, yeah, the game's dark. Yeah, right, right. And this was six months after I think uh, my daughter had survived a, a pretty major medical scare. Maybe less than that. Man. Yeah this this was this was honestly how I processed that. Yeah. This was this was hey, hey we're going through Ben's Jason's therapy list. Yeah, is what these games right? are. Uh, but games do that. Um, so yeah. Edith Finch, great game. Yeah. If anyone plays, I guess if anyone plays Firewatch and they're like, oh, walking simulators are just kind of these simple fun and not that Firewatch doesn't have kind of sucking your soul out, like heartbreaking moments. It definitely does, but it's definitely a lighter version. Um, just give them what, what remains or gone home. Yeah. If they want to have kind of a, a more melancholy version of, of walking Sims. And I think, I think one of the differences would be um, gone home for people who don't like video games, Edith Finch for people who kind of, are tired of, of video games and it's like what can video games do yeah uh, and the reason is just the way they use mechanics yeah uh, gone home is a great entry level for people who aren't that used to video games uh edith finch is great for saying it's a new new mechanic with every level and the mechanic always uh relates to the narrative in these beautiful ways remember the swing being one that stands out to me where i don't even want to spoil it but it's something that like that I've never seen a controller have to do before. Yeah. And it took me a couple of minutes to be like, what is going on? As soon as I yeah. got it, it was one of the coolest mechanics I've ever it's done. It's really great. Uh, the fish heads for me. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. That game has so many games within it. Yep. Oh so many, many games. Gosh, what an amazing mechanic. Have, have you ever wanted to be a shark just rolling down a hill? Oh, cause you can be that game. I got to go back and play that. That game. Yeah, I want to go good. play that game again right now. Jeez. Uh, speaking of games, I want to play again right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Number three. Do it. 
Ben, do you want to guess? Because you bounced off of it after a mere 26 hours. Oh, so you're you're chalk. You're you have two chalk ones, by the way. If you go, you're going with uh, what's the game you just did? Um, oh, Celeste is in a lot of people's top tens, and then Breath of the Wild. It's a good game. I got some chalk coming up too. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Breath of the Wild. It's just yeah. a. It really is a perfect game. Um, I know I said that once before. But I mean it when when a genre kind of reaches its perfection. Thimbleweed Park does that for the point-and-click adventure. Yeah. Breath of the Wild does that for the action RPG. It is such a beautiful world. It is so much fun. It is so interesting and exciting. And one of those that constantly surprised me and excited me and thrilled me. Uh, if you want to spend a good afternoon, just go look at Breath of the Wild videos on uh, YouTube and see the fun things people do of, you know, freezing giant boulders with time, jumping on them, hitting them with an arrow, and then flying off into the distance. Uh, because you can break that game in so many wonderful ways. Yeah, what you just reminded me of is that one of my favorite YouTube channels is Girlfriend Reviews. Oh, and yes. It, it's the first game. It came out last year. So, And they do, I think it's a game a week, so they must have over 50 games. But one of, the, one of my favorite episodes is Should Your Boyfriend Play Zelda Breath of the Wild? And they also have Should Your Boyfriend Play Zelda Ocarina of Time? Ooh. So they have a couple Zeldas in there. Uh, but yeah, the Breath of the Wild one is hilarious. And the, the idea of the video is what's it like living in a house where someone is playing this game constantly in the background? What are you going to experience as yeah, someone watching it? That little map sound. Uh, and this to me is, is a game that I think I would like this game. This might even made my top 10 if I had watched you play it for 80 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So if, we, if this game had come out 20 years ago or whatever, when we yeah. were living in the same house, then it would probably make my list. I would look at it fondly like I yeah. do the Zelda games from the 80s and 90s. Um, and I, this was a game that I really wanted to put in my favorites and my honorable mentions as I was looking at other people's lists to remind myself of what came out this decade, but it just didn't have that personal connection with me as much as I admire the game and respect what it does. It just, yeah, I just couldn't connect with it. We have a really similar relationship around two of our top three games. I'm making a prediction for you. Okay. Um, yeah. And we'll see. I'm not going to say the name of it. We're going to find out in a second. Cool. Uh, where, where it lies. But, um, where we both bounced off of each other's favorite games because of control schemes. Oh, yeah. You never connected with the Breath of the Wild control scheme. And there's a yeah, secret we'll game that you're going to mention in just a second. Okay. All right. So what's your... That was my number three. What's your number three? My three is uh, Thimbleweed Park. Nice. So we already talked about this, but yeah, it's... And it, I, maybe I already said this, but it's it, to me like the perfect... Uh, amalgamation of all the things we loved about those LucasArts adventure puzzle games like side-scrolling platformy type stuff not plat platforming but side-scrolling 2d LucasArts games the reason we started month was because of all the stuff that this game holds within it yes and this was kind of a perfect representation of all of those things yep uh it's hard to not put this at number one because of all that if i was saying top 10 month games of all time this has got to be it yep um if mulf had a personality it would be thimbleweed park yes um or would, <laughs> if mulf had a personality or, you know what I mean? like if there was a third character on this that wasn't get, Corey, no, but it was I, I mulf, it. It i just like the idea that mulf doesn't it's like no you know if we actually had any personality yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh if there was a character named mulf anyway so yeah this game is about as perfect as those games that we play like try to be yeah. and it was so cool to see them as in, as people that made these games throughout the eighties and nineties come back and make this game that it it seemed like they had this vision in their mind that so how often do we create art that we can't quite personify or bring to fruition the image that we have in our mind into reality and it seems like they did that and more like the game was everything they imagined it could ever be I can't imagine a better version of this game it's so good so anyway 
Okay. Um, before you go on to number two. Yeah. I want to call it in now. I want to buzz it in now. I'm not going to spoil it for the listener. I know two and one. I bet you do. I'm sure you do. Uh, one starts with an R. Yes. The other starts with an O. Yes. And I want to call the order right now. Okay. I want it to be R then O. I know you I'm, do. I'm worried that it's O then R. You should be. Oh, okay, go. All right. I know. It's chalk, man. Okay. So Outer Wilds, number two. Boom. You're wrong. It's number one. Go on. That's, that's fair. No, I'm, I'm okay with being wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, this, this is a game that I will go back to annually. I don't say the rest of my life, but it's a game that I will go back to a lot. I've already gone back to it since we played it as a month game a few months ago. But it's a game that I evangelize to people. Yeah. And I'm just like, this This is video games. If you like games, oh, you played Tetris? Play this game. Oh, you like Minecraft? Go play Outer Wilds. It doesn't have to do anything with any game you've ever played. Uh, but I really think that uh, most people would enjoy parts of this game because it's so diverse and dynamic. Uh, I think it was pitched to me as, what was it? Firewatch meets No Man's Sky meets The Dig, which is just like all of the things that I like combined. And it lived, it like, it surpassed the hype of those three things, yep. which is pretty amazing. And it didn't really compromise in any of that. Uh, amazing graphics, amazing story, uh, amazing diversity of story in the sense that our comparison of our, I don't, I can't remember how much time we, 16 to 20 hours we played this game, like, we're not completely different stories because it's a pretty small game, but pretty different stories. We're definitely filling in gaps in each other's ideas of what we thought the universe that we were playing in was all about. But yeah, just an amazing story. And I'm excited to see where those people, and again, being an indie game, I'm excited to see with whether it's more money or, or more time or a bigger staff, kind of where they go from there, but just fell in love with that game when we played it earlier this year. Such an amazing game. And you yeah. mentioned, uh, putting around 15 to 20 hours into it. Um, my favorite story about Outer Wilds is Danielle Riendo's experience with it, where she put in 50 hours and ended up putting it on her top 10 list. Oh, you uh, shared this with year. me. Oh. Uh, however, she still hasn't beaten it because her save game got corrupted. During and the twenty during the, the last 22 probably. minute, I think it was probably. one of the, like, she knew what she had to do to beat the game. Yeah, I think so. She was doing her little speed run thing at the end. But if that's true, then she could do it again. So I don't think that's exactly true. Because oh, maybe, well, okay, maybe not. The, the, there were still unexplored areas. There were still things that she was oh, trying okay, to line Okay, okay, got it. Uh, oh. And it broke my heart. But it's still in her top 10 because of uh, the thing that sealed it for her was her experience in the quantum caves with the skeletons, which... Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. I remember you. I was on the phone with you when you were walking me through this. I, it was so... I had to stay on the line because I had to hear you experience it. That was insane. Oh, oh, just to hear you scream. It was Some fantastic. Amazing mechanics. And that stuff, there's definitely stuff in that game that no other game on my list could do. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was, that was amazing. All right. What's your two? All right. Number two. Do you want to make any predictions? Oh, gosh. Um, I'll give you a hint. You have said it already. Honk, honk. Oh, is it Cinco Pals? It is Cinco Pals. Oh, nice. Um, and, and again, single pass is kind of filling in here as a shorthand for roguelikes in general. Sure. Uh, that's, that's and the, fair. a lot of small games that I've fallen in love with, but single pass rises above all of them. And it's legit. Number two in its own regard. Uh, I have spent so much time with single pass. My high score is something around 500. I think, I think at 490, maybe levels, um, uh, points. That's I think in oh, okay. like, 25 worlds or Jeez. no, 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 like 15 worlds. I think it caps out at 20 worlds and the highest score is something around 5,000. Wow. Um, and I'm nowhere near that. 
No, nowhere near that. Jeez. It's amazing to to have a, a play go that well for me that I got it to 490. Uh, I've beaten 400 maybe three times. Um, I've poured... I can't even estimate the amount of hours. Uh, I'm glad my phone does not keep track of it for me. But I've poured so much time into this game. I just love it so much. I'm constantly discovering new strategies and techniques. It's a beautiful, beautiful, simple game that costs you just five bones. Five sticks, uh, you might say, in Portuguese. Or Cinco Paus. Nice. Um, I like it. Everyone should download it. It's really, really, really good. The guy, the guy who made it, uh, Michael Brogue, is such a prolific uh, roguelike maker. He's got his own subgenre called Broguelikes, Brogue which likes. are typified by particular schemes, mainly small tile sets, typically five by five grids, and one mechanic, which is rogue, most roguelikes let you press the wait key to let an enemy move. And he stands by the idea that he thinks that's cheating. Wow. And that what that one thing that would be really important to any roguelike is that you cannot press the wait key, meaning that you can get kind of trapped by enemies and you have to step out and just let them hit you because you timed things wrong. Wow. That's typical of all of his. Uh, but it, it's nice that he has these little... Yeah, you just start to see the mechanics. It's, it's a beautiful game that lets you see its mechanics in so many wonderful ways. That's awesome. All right. My number one. Our number ones. Uh, you know mine. I'm trying to think if I know yours. You should. I should know yours? Yep. Honk Honk? Nope. I love, I love the guests, and I'm wearing the shirt. You have a shirt? I haven't shown you this. No. What's your shirt? Explain the shirt. Uh, so I'm wearing a shirt that has... Peace was never an option? A, a goose, yeah. A oh, goose standing on an axe, and it says peace was never an option. But that is not my number one. Oh. I haven't just beat my number one once. You have to beat it five times. Oh, and did you get near the end? I sure did, uh, because my final game is near Automata. Nice. Again, just an amazing game. Yeah. If Thimbleweed Park and um, Celeste and uh, Breath of the Wild are perfection in their genre, this is a game that kind of perfects the idea of genre and plays with genre itself in these beautiful, beautiful, amazing ways where it switches back and forth between bullet hell overhead, uh, platformer, uh, three-quarter overhead open world, um, cool little asteroids, mini-games, um, and it's an RPG with leveling up mechanics. Every element of it is diegetic. Um, it's just tremendous, and I can't say enough for it, particularly the closing credits which are some of the most emotionally moving kind of things I've ever done in a video game where I just, I, when I beat the credits, because yes, the credits open up in another mini game. I yelled the F word at my TV because of what the game then asked me next. And I don't want to spoil that for anyone, Okay. but there, there is a moment right there where the game says, Hey, here's a thing that I'm just going to throw in. And you just go, Oh my gosh. So to do the biggest kind of reveal ultimate mechanic at the end of the credits of your fifth playthrough. That's awesome. I, it's kind of bold. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Jeez. And it left me in such a place that I immediately took the disc and mailed it to a friend That's awesome. and said, I'm never going to play this game again. It, it did it right so that I am, I actually feel done playing the game and that's such a rare feeling to have. How long is each playthrough? Uh, it's it, they're not even really playthroughs. So the first playthrough is about ten to fifteen hours. Wow. Uh, the second playthrough is a legit playthrough of the first game, the the that first story from another character's point of view. Oh, that's it's cool. 
it's about six to eight hours. Okay. Um, maybe eight to ten. And then when it ends, there's this. I'll spoil this for you. Okay. When it ends, it it immediately says, "Next time on Near Automata," and you're like, "Wait, what? What do you mean next time? Are you talking about a sequel?" And it shows you a preview of like completely different game and like all the people you've seen and like big war and like stuff happening. And then immediately the game just picks up right after the playthrough that you just did and continues on from there. So the third playthrough is just an extension of the second. Mm-hmm. At the end of the third playthrough, you now have two main characters again, and you get to decide which of them to basically enter the finale with, and that choice has a large effect. And when you beat it that time, it immediately opens up so that you have debug mode and you can go to any point in the game and add enemies, take away enemies, wow. do whatever you want with it. But you can also go to that last moment and just choose the other person. And if you do that, you sure. get the fourth ending. Sure. And if you do that, it opens up the credits that you can then play through with this mini game. And if you can beat those credits, which becomes very, very difficult, Celeste level difficult, maybe beyond that, Jeez. you get to the post-credit sequence, which is the true fifth ending, which is probably of all of these, the only happy ending in the entire thing, or the closest wow. this game will get to a happy ending. Jeez. Um, it's, and, and again, remember I said, after the third ending, you open up debug mode, but you don't play with it at all. Cause all you want to do is see the fourth ending. And then you eat the credits, and after the fifth ending, you go, okay, I'm done with this game now. And I didn't want to try and do debug mode. I wanted to send it off to a friend because of Jeez. what it did with the fifth ending. It was that amazing. That's really cool. Nice. And then uh, my number one. Number one with a bullet. Is, again, cheating because I put the Red Dead Redemption collection. Oh, <laughs> the duology. Uh, because I, I think the first one came out in 2010. It came out the week I graduated from grad school and I'd already had a job that was ready to go two months later. And I literally just spent eight days playing it almost all day long, uh, every single day the, the, from the day it came out. And I just fell in love with that game. I love the idea of a Grand Theft Auto, but the old West and like that idea alone, like broke my brain. I was like, yeah, I'm all in. Like I hate all the cars and all the whatever and like the glitz and the glam, like take me back to a simpler time, you know? Yeah. Yep. Just give me my gun by my side, maybe a dog and a horse. That was great. Anyway, so, and then uh, this, and yeah, so fond memories of that game. Uh, maybe too open world for me. I think I remember being bored at, at times during that game, just like riding places and probably wasn't paced quite as well as a, as a modern game. But the new one that came out last year, RDR 2, continually blew my mind. I felt like every time I'd pick up the controller, I think you at one point screenshotted the hours that I put into that. It was over 300. Yes. I think realistically, cause I probably just had it on pause a couple of times. I probably put, I was looking at other people as far as like completionists and main extras and stuff. And the main story is like 50 to 60 hours. Main plus extras like 80 completionists is like 160. So I was probably in the like 120 to 140 area. Cause I didn't necessarily a hundred percent everything, but I just really enjoyed every mechanic in that whole game. And I loved trying to break the game uh, and everything from John Marston to Arthur Morgan, the main characters from both the games, really fun seeing their story arcs. And I enjoyed the story, but this is one of the few games on this whole thing that I didn't like fall in love with the story. I never teared up at all during my 120 hours. It was more just like, like consistently being in awe yeah, and like surprised at like, Oh my gosh, like this game can do that. Like I'm 80 hours in and I didn't know it could do that thing. Yeah. Or it looks this beautiful or it looks whatever it might do. Just really cool scene. And again, we're talking about chalk and this is definitely 
in a lot of people's top 10, top five lists. Uh, and it, it's, I looked it up earlier, sold over 25 million copies, which means if every single one costs $60, that's $1.5 billion in revenue. And so this is definitely a, a, a you know, it's not a unique pick, uh, but it's something to me that just maybe because of the hundreds or thousands of people putting in thousands of hours each for eight years to, to get this game done at Rockstar is just an amazing achievement of gaming that I, yeah, I couldn't help but recognize. I, I love that game. I, I want to give you a second to, to gloat about it a little bit more and talk about how good it is. Uh, first, I want to talk about kind of my own experience with it and, yeah. and why I'm realizing that, that it didn't work for me. So the, the first is you talked about wanting to break the game and just have fun and explore the world. And and I would love that in Grand Theft Auto. So I would love to just go right. explore and, and climb to the top of a building and skydive off. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. That kind of stuff was so much fun for me. Um, I never had that experience with this game. Okay. And it boiled down completely to controls. And I'm so interested why it is I mean we're brothers we have so much in common is there something about the way our brains are wired that Red Dead Redemption 2's controls make sense to you and Breath of the Wild's don't and it's the reverse for me it's got to Breath right? of the Wild I yeah. found completely intuitive yeah. and Red Dead Redemption there was nothing I could do to make my hands do the motions it felt like my hands were broken every time I played and I put in about 20-25 hours I think um, maybe it's not the controls as much as that's the thing I complained about that you complained about the most yeah, with Red Dead yeah and and that I did about Breath of the Wild, but I th- I think the bigger thing for me because I think I can get on with any game that has hard controls as as, as right. far as like if it's a po- you know that other people it's it's like a possible game and other people are getting along with it and the idea that I can put in you know a couple hours into a game and I'll just kind of get used to the controls if that's controls it, well, I'll make it work but the the lack of linearity is that a word yeah uh, of Breath of the Wild was overwhelming and made everything just kind of confusing. And I think the, the most immediate confusion was the controls. Yes. It was like, yeah. where do I go now? And you're like, you can go anywhere. Yep. And on Red Dead, it's like, here are the five waypoints. You can go to one of those yep. five things. Now that makes sense. And each one, each one has a little initial. Do you want to go hang out with Abigail? Do you want to go hang out with, the, you know, whoever? Like, yep. And I, you knew what kind of mission it was going in because you knew who whose initials those were. And there was just the absence of all of that. And I think, I don't know if it's just my person, it definitely is partly my personality or my place in life right now, or the fact that I didn't just like sit down and have eight hours straight. Like I did with the first red dead. You know, if I had that with breath of the wild, maybe I would have just fallen in love in those first 12 hours. But I think the fact that I was like, all right, I have an hour. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to do that. It's not going to work for you that way. And I felt like for that hour, 90% of it was just like, was running around and 20 minutes of that was falling off of a like rainy cliff face. Yep. And it's just like never quite got in there. And the thing about that that I could articulate was the controls. Yeah. Which is probably only part of the story. It might be similar for me. Okay. So I want to try and bring it back to that. I like this idea of linearity versus open world because I think the linearity of Red Dead Redemption 2 didn't connect for me. And I want to give, give this example of what I thought of as bad controls. Okay. Right. And so uh, I get in this little side quest. This guy uh, wants to shoot targets with me. Cool. I'm like, okay, cool. So we shoot some targets together. Uh, I beat him. It's awesome. I'm excited. I turn around to him to say, uh, yes, I've accepted your, you know, I beat you. Great. And I shoot him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah. And you've also cut off the next three side quests that guy was going to offer you like 10 hours later or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I'm so, I wanted, I liked him. Yeah. I wanted to hang out. (laughs) Like, I, I get that. 
I get the open worldy of what you've done, yeah. but it's the inverse of the open world I want to do. Like yeah. I, I want you to protect those main characters so I can go experience them. I and I and I don't want the button that that is yes to also be the button that just kills someone. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, but it felt like I was very constrained. Right. It felt like very linear. And also, like, I was failing to do that very linear thing. Like, that was being cl- It's like, here's yeah. the one thing you can do. You can't do that, by the way. <laughs> it's like, no, but, but it was the one. It was the yeah. only one. And I was oh. definitely frustrated by that with those moments. I think the creators would be like, cool. Like, you're living a unique right. life. Live that life. What, and what a fun thing to do if you're watching somebody play the game. Right. Similarly, like, when I, f- I fell off lots of mountains in Zelda, I thought it was awesome. Oh. I thought it was hilarious. Oh. Right. I had a different experience. For, uh, one of the first experiences with Zelda is when uh, I'm I'm coming in like out of that temple area and I got my I changed my stick into a sword and like I killed a couple of these like uh, random little uh, goblin guys whatever they're called yeah and I'm like yeah I'm really rocking hey there's a sweet little area down here let's go check it out holy crap there's a giant there's a sleeping giant how do I beat a giant all right I'm just gonna go hit him I'm gonna sneak up behind him and I'm, I'm gonna hit him and like he flings me 400 feet and I die right. Just one hit. I'm like, yeah. I, that wasn't what it can do that, and that just thrilled me. The idea that oh behind any corner there and might be just that's something. That's when I that, turn it off for a week. Yeah, there might be something that I just can't beat. Like, oh wow, that sounds fun. Jeez. Um, but yeah, that's. I love that we just discovered that about ourselves. By the way, my favorite part of Red Dead Redemption Two, and something that I will always remember fondly, is playing dress up with Arthur Morgan. Yeah, just 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 put him in different outfits. Oh, that's fun. I like it's that. The, no, no, it's the it's not fun. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. It is my Gwent. I spent nice. hours dressing him up. Yes, getting my perfect outfits. Getting mad that it that it disappeared. My outfit disappeared because I didn't quit, quite figure out how to save them oh, yet. Oh, sure, sure. Really mad that it only let me have like five saved outfits because I I wanted thousands. I know. Right? I wanted different combos. Oh my gosh, so, the dress up in that is so much fun. I think this goes into every single game that's in anyone's top game. Well, not even games, any sort of art or, or hobby, whatever it might be that there's this, um, the phrase that I keep going back to with, with, with most criticisms of things that I like, but I hear from other people is why don't, you know, I'm like, why don't I dislike that about the thing that I love? Right. Whether it's about rise of Skywalker or, or whatever, yeah. we'll yeah, maybe yeah. we'll have a pot on that. Cause I didn't, I don't want to put myself in the camp of like, that's the greatest movie ever. But you know, I hear other people's complaints and I'm like, Oh, that didn't bother me at all because I just, the fr- sorry, the phrase is willing suspension of disbelief. Right. And, I, you know, you see like the stupid, <laughs> can you tell that I don't like Star Trek? The yes. stupid Star Trek fights with those stupid green monsters and you can see the strings and you can see the whatevers. And because I don't have that connection to Captain Kirk that, sorry, Corey, you're not on the pod. That Corey does, that Trekkies do, that people who love the, and if I watched the stories, I would, right? If I knew the story and the characters and I love them, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't even notice the strings. I wouldn't see that it's a rubber mask. I don't see Frank Oz's hand when Yoda talks. Right. Yoda is a sentient being in Empire, and I don't see, you know, the puppet or whatever. So I think a lot of this is if you love the world, if you've bought into the story and the character and you're playing that as Link or as Arthur Morgan, then that kind of stuff just doesn't bother you as much as it's someone who's not as bought in to that. Does that make sense? Does that add up to your experience also? Totally. Okay. I, I, I exactly want to follow on that. Just going to say, uh, de gustibus non disputandum, there's no uh, disputing taste. Uh, you like something, you like it, right? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. But I think this comes down to what we call immersion in video games. It's a, a word that I really hate when people use it around video games. Is like, oh, it breaks the, the immersion. You know, this thing breaks the immersion. Because I think it has to do that willing suspension of disbelief. And Ben, I completely agree with you of the... 
Willing suspension of disbelief has to everything to do with the willingness of, do I like this thing? And if I do, it can do whatever it wants. And I'm going to have a blast. Yeah. And I, I'm going to really enjoy myself. Uh, I really love meta stuff. I love stuff that's commenting on itself, like Nier Automata, right? There was, you could say it breaks immersion all the time because it's constantly referring to itself as a video game, right? Yeah. There's a character in there that you can talk to to tell you more about the game and she'll tell you the controls and things like that. Like press the B button, whatever that might mean, which is funny to me. And you can ask her about the map and it says, ask about the map. And if you click it, it says, why is the map so bad? Which is the, the question that you ask the character. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, yeah, sorry. Nothing we can do about that. Anyway, awesome. any other questions? And that's it. It's like that. That's great. I love yeah, it. Yeah. My immersion is not broken at all. Exactly. Because I am in this game. Exactly. There's nothing more that I want from the world than this game right now. That's awesome. And so it's not about confusing you. It's not about tricking you. It's about creating something that you like. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Binge Mode, which is a podcast that Jason and I love from the Ringer Podcast Network. They're doing a whole series on Star Wars leading up to Rise of Skywalker. They're talking about The Mandalorian every week, and it's Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion from The Ringer talking about it, and it's just really, really insightful. What a great website. What a great website. Uh, and they every week they go deep into The Mandalorian. Deep. And, uh, but one of the things they, they, you know, in their big two and a half hour recap of Rise of Skywalker, and there were several, uh, Jason at one point, Jason Concepcion at one point says this, this movie was beautiful and it's probably an hour and a half into them kind of ragging on the movie, right? It's, it's a, it's a critique of the film and they talk about things they like, but they really, because they're two big star Wars fans, it ends up being like, Oh, these are the things we kind of are nitpicking about. And these are the bigger things we don't like. And you know, Ryan Johnson, JJ Abrams, that kind of stuff. And it's getting pretty, pretty deep into the, the creation of the movie and why things ended up the way they end up being and what it says about our society, blah, blah, blah. And at one point he goes, you know what? If you like this movie, it doesn't mean you're in camp A right. or camp B. It, it's not black and white like that. If you like this movie, because it was awesome and the explosions were cool and the acting was great and Ray and Kylo and like whatever reasons, like shallow or deep, that's fine. Like that, good for you. I hope you liked this movie. Like I hope art is that way. And, and he, he says in a way that doesn't sound condescending. The way I'm going to regurgitate it right now does sound condescending, but he's like, and I really liked a lot of parts that way. And if I could just like a story for the cool action fights, then I would love this movie, but that's not how I want to experience art. Yep. And he says it in a way that's like, it's, it's very like um, confessional rather than pedantic. He's not saying like, it's good for idiots, but he's really saying like, I just didn't connect with it. Uh, and I, I really like that because it's, it does seem honest and it seems like I wish I could like this movie. I really had a lot of willing suspension and I just couldn't quite get my disbelief to kind of like yeah. go away completely. And I hate those moments, right? When you see something where if that map moment didn't work for you, if, if for whatever the dialogue broke or whatever, where it just kind of pulls you out of that and whether it's the immersion breaking or whatever it might be. And I honestly, I think it is, it's less to do with the mechanic and less to do with the world building and the character and the story where it causes you to question like, Oh yeah, maybe I don't really care about these characters or this story or this yeah. thing that this, this game or movie or whatever art piece, this book is trying to do I'm not buying into the big picture. So this tiny little thing is throwing me through a loop when really normally I, or not normally, but if I really loved and was falling in love with this, this art, I would just yada yada it away and it wouldn't yeah. bother me. There's this, this thing you see sometimes where people say, um, you know, I, I used to love movies until I started to learn more about them. Or there's this thought that people who really study film can't love movies. Right. And I, I think it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Maybe it is, the study I've done of film that made it so I couldn't enjoy rise of Skywalker, but that doesn't make me better than someone else. Um, and it doesn't make it so I can't enjoy movies. It's that same stuff that made me love knives out. 
And so it's not that this increased study makes you enjoy, you know, not enjoy stuff. It's that it makes you enjoy different things and also enjoy things differently that it's, you can still enjoy some of the same stuff and you just enjoy it in a different way. There's a lot of issues with the, with a new hope. Um, I still love that movie. It's great. Yeah. I will, I will never lose that. That's it's wonderful. I don't see the issues as yeah. As the, uh, <laughs> the great literary critic, uh, and novelist Umberto Eco once said, even gynecologists fall in love. And Jay, I mean, if you hadn't read that whole Wikipedia introduction of French filmmaking, you wouldn't be able to sit at Specs sipping your PBR from a martini glass. That's right. Smoking That's your right. clove, talking about Umberto Eco novels. Fernet Branca was my drink at Specs, but thank you for remembering. Nobody's read Gravity's Rainbow. Nobody's read Gravity's Rainbow. Gosh, that's a good line. Oh, that's such a good line. Oh, go see Knives Out. Ryan Johnson forever. Anyway, so... Ben, ben you and I, after we press stop on the record... Yes. Five-minute spoiler fest. Just you and it. me. I love not it. For, not for them. All we're talking is Knives Out. For us, not for man. Them. It's not for them. It's for us. Out there? Uh, out there, it's their time. In here? Down here? It's our time. Okay. I'm taking it back. Taking, taking it all back. all back. Okay, honorable mentions. Here honorable we go. mentions. Stardew Valley. Oh, nice. Great game. I've heard of that game. Yeah, I've sunk so many two hours, so many hours into it and had to stop playing it because otherwise it would just steal all my time and I want to play other games too. Also, a great girlfriend review video of that one, by the way. Check that out. It's oh, so got to check that out. Okay. Uh, where they both play it. They play it online together. Anyway, uh, I will go second. Oxenfree made my list. Nice. I, I, was, I, was, I thought it might make your top 10. It was close. It should yeah. have been an honorable mention, but I knew it wasn't going to make the top 10. Love, love, love that game. Really cool Halloween episode we did last year. Check it out. Yeah. These are all ones that were legit on my top 10, and I had to actually scoot them off. Uh, but I knew Oxenfree wasn't quite going to make it yeah. like from the outset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Portal 2. Oh, nice. Uh, wonderful game. Amazing game. Lot, on lots of people's games of the decade list. Yeah. Um, it just didn't do that for me. Like I loved this game. It just wasn't the game that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Yep. Yep. Nice. Uh, and I went with Gone Home, which was on your list. Your top yep. 10, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. So we talked about that, but but just one of the first walking sims that we that kind of, I didn't realize games could do that. I think I said that about another game before. I think I said yeah. it about Firewatch, but yeah, it kind of the, the flip side emotion wise of Firewatch. It felt like Oxenfree was just kind of like dark and disturbing with a cool twist at the end. My next honorable mention is the one that you forgot to put on your top 10 list. Witcher 3. Ah, Gwent. Yes. Did you ever finish The Witcher? <laughs> no. I so, do want to someday. I got like 60 hours into it. Like, I yeah. like this game a lot. I got, yeah, 60 hours into it and stopped for a year. Yep, the that's year yep. that we started The Overthink. Yep. The week that The Overthink, we, we launched our 99th episode and we're like, oh, we have to end this. I went back to The Witcher 3 and beat it within a week. <laughs> Yep. All right. I gotta go. I gotta go crank it out. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, so Witcher three is on your list. Anything you want to say about it? No, that's it. It's great. All right. Sweet. Uh, and I went with what remains of Edith Finch. Definitely honorable mentions. Almost nice. Probably should have kicked out Gwent and Tetris effect because I've never played Tetris effect Tetris 99 for what remains. Definitely an amazing game. Uh, Firewatch for me. Nice. Uh, great game. Solid. Amazing game. Sweet. Uh, Night in the Woods. We just played it. Oh, I think earlier call. this year with Sean Thompson, uh, this yep. past spring month episode. Uh, but just, a very different game than what we've ever played. Really, really funny. Uh, really quirky. What's the the adjective to define this game? Twee. Twee. The tweeiest game Terra ever was. By the way, we should put um, a short hike on our list for next year because it takes like an hour or two to play. So it can help us out on one of those months where we're a little pressed for time. And it's it feels very night in the woods. Cool. Uh, from what I've seen. All right. Added it already. Um, goose game. Oh, nice. Untitled Goose Game. That's on it's my so honorable good. mentions also. Boom. Just so fun. Game. One of the few games ever I've gotten my wife addicted to. 
I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, she loved that. I didn't that. know that. That's the wonderful. The kids played it. They loved it. Just an amazing, really cool game. Yeah. It's 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 just so full of joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Go for it. Uh, and then my last honorable mention. Oh, is... no. I've got five more. <laughs> my last one is Rocket League, uh, which is a game I didn't play till about a month ago, but I've played, I don't know, 20, 30 hours of already playing online with a friend of mine. We had a big party here a couple weeks ago. We just like got four controllers out and played the, the quad screen and just really, really fun, really low learning curve, really quick. We had a bunch of people that hadn't played until that night and they were just like dominating by the end. It was a really, really fun party game. I don't know why I have no interest in that game and I need to fix it because everybody tells me it's amazing. So I need to go play it. I need to do it. And you need you and I need to play it together. Yeah, yeah super fun. Uh, sorry that I haven't made that happen. Yeah, it's okay. We'll do it. All right. Uh, two JRPGs. I'll just do back to back because in a sense, these were standing in for my love of JRPGs. Do it. Bravely Default and Shin Megami Tensei 4. Oh, of course. It's Shin Megami Tensei 4. Amazing. I think I told the story about it on the pod, so I won't repeat it, but I got the neutral ending. It was amazing. Is that the one um, where you like flip upside down through the clouds and you're like standing on top of the world? Yes. Tokyo or something? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's not even okay, at the okay. end. It's like it's like five to ten hours in. Oh, okay. Um, but it's it's a real good twist. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and then Bravely Default, I'm playing. Uh, hey, spoilers for Bravely Default, because I know Ben will never play it. Cool. It is a game that involves time travel. And so you beat the whole game, and one of your main characters uh, woke up at the beginning of the game with no memory. And at the end of the game, you're fighting a big bad guy who's trying to prevent you from your quest. And you knock off his helmet... And it's the same guy as the main character, as one oh, of wow. your four main characters. You're like, what the heck? And like, just when you knock off his, your, his helmet, like he stumbles back and he falls off a cliff. And you're like, what? I, I need more explanation. No, wait, what? And you complete your main quest. And then all of a sudden you're transported to the beginning of the game again. But all the characters remember what happened. And they're like, what in the world is going on? Well, how, what are your interactions with that character like? Uh, he's, he's, he's like, I still have no memory before I woke up, but that was like one game ago. Like... I remember everything since then. I have no idea why I'm that person. Oh, he doesn't know. Um, oh, okay. Like, this is weird. So you continue on. You have to do it, I believe, six times. Too many times. Yeah. No, by the, but by the end, you're like overpowered and you're just like cranking through these old dungeons and it feels really good. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the enemies get tougher and you can skip through stuff. Like, you don't have to do all the things. It's just the... Uh, imagine if you just had to do the four divine beasts in Zelda. You know, it's not as long of a game, right? It's only like a, an eight-hour game that you have to do that many times. Uh, but like, it's just those four parts. So um, at the end, you figure out that uh, your quest is evil. The person you've been following is not an angel that has been telling you to do this stuff to save the world, but a, de a demon trying to destroy not just the world, but parallel universes. And you've been skipping from par parallel universe to parallel universe, destroying each of them. Every time you complete your quest, you destroy another universe. Wow. And the guy that you met at the beginning who lost his memory was the guy that a previous team had knocked over that cliff and he fell through. That's awesome. And landed in you, your world. This is like some Ender's game. Yeah. He was the on. bad guy from the previous world of Jeez. yours. That's awesome. And lost his memory and then came, came alongside you. And it turns out, actually, no, he was the good guy because you've been doing the wrong thing. And then he continues on and does the wrong thing wow. with you because he doesn't have a memory. That's amazing. It's real good. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's a uh, 3DS game. It's great. But uh, both of those are, are great, but they weren't my favorite JRPGs. And so I didn't, I couldn't put them sure. on my list. It should have been Earthbound, right? It yeah, should have been something else. Uh, no Persona 5? I, I still, I bounced off of that. Oh, I really? To, okay. I'd like to go back to it someday. Um, there were some thematic things that I wasn't digging okay. uh, about uh, teachers dating students that was like, they're portraying it as a bad thing. Oh, but right, also, right, right. 
spend a lot of time showing off students in lingerie. But yeah. I was like, ah, I don't love this. Gotcha. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, which this, that's on my what I want to play next year. Not as a month game, but I don't have a PlayStation, so I can't. It's very good. Yeah, it's quite good. I need to. Uh, Super Hot VR. Oh, solid. Yeah. Have you played it? Which I got to play at your house. Yeah. 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 I thought you did. Play, yeah, yeah. And then finally, um, Ringo Ishikawa and his oh, good, good friends. Yeah. Still one of my favorites. Good times. What a great game. Good month episode. All right. That's it. Nice. That's all we have. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, sharing the, your top 10 uh, with me. This was fun. But we, so we will have our holiday episode coming out within a week. And then on that, we will end that with games that we want to play. Not even necessarily as month games, but um, yeah, games that we've talked about today. Maybe some of each other's games on that list. Uh, games that we want to play in 2020, uh, whether it's a side quest, a month game, or just personally. Uh, yeah, anything else? I'm going to make you and Corey play a JRPG. It's going to happen. All right. All right. Wait. Get psyched. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I have been Ben. And I will be Jason. And you're a Myrie pirate. I <laughs> can't think of any quotes from Red Dead Redemption right now. Perfect. See you later, boy. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. There you go. Perfect. All right. Knives out!